So if you're showing up with value and you're there to contribute to that cause and help them build just absolutely kick-ass, compelling, engaging content that their audience will then tune into, get invested in, and then start sharing with others, which is the ultimate goal, then you're really doing your part. Hi, and welcome to Helping People Perform, the podcast that gives you fascinating insights into those people whose chosen vocation is to help others perform at their best. From consultants to teachers, sports coaches to financial advisors, all of my guests share a passion for getting the most out of individuals, teams, and organizations. Enjoy the episode. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Helping People Perform podcast. Again, delighted to be joined by an absolute titan of the podcasting world and a great guest for today. We've got founder and storyteller at Podcast Guesting Simplified. And anyone who knows me will know that I'll grab onto anything that's simplified and made easy for you. So amazing to be having you on the show today. Welcome to the show, Jason Saccone. Paul, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. And man, billing me as a titan of podcasting. I've got a lot to live up to today, so wow. hopefully I can deliver for you. <laughs> well, we both connected through another podcast in uh, uh, Titan, uh, Jens Heitland. We were just talking about him before the, the show. Yeah. He's the person who first got me into the uh, the podcasting world and one of my earlier guests. So um, and I know you've got your own podcast in terms of evolution of brand. We're going to get to those things, I'm sure. Um, mm. But before we get into the that bit of who you help and how you help them, can you tell us a little bit about you in terms of what you've done to get you to where you are today? Yeah, it's been a very long and winding road. The entrepreneurial side of me started at the age of 13. I started flipping football cards and baseball cards to friends and at local card shows and at local shops. It just ended up being something that I stumbled into by accident when one of the card shop owners asked if I would like to have my own table to help out one of his partners because his partner dropped out and couldn't be there. Yeah. And that made me realize, wow, you can really make some money on this. And I had some assets to sell and I had a blast with it. I can't remember how much of a profit I turned, but I guarantee anything that I did turn got spent on more inventory <laughs> and just bought more cards and blew it all right on the spot. So I got started there and that, that morphed into a lot of different things as I grew up. And I, of course, went the traditional route, went to college, got my bachelor's degree, master's degree, and worked for a few different companies, but always had it in my mind that I wanted to do something of my own. And around 2013, it was when things really started to take shape when I started a craft beer advocacy blog, and it was called Breaking Brews. And the idea behind that was, at the time, I felt there weren't enough voices that were singing the praises for all these little craft breweries that were starting to pop up. Yeah. And in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, where I'm located, there was this groundswell mm. of all of this great beer and all of these new breweries jumping into the mix. And I wanted to be a voice of advocacy to raise awareness. And in my mind, I had an idea of how I wanted to monetize that. But in the beginning, it was all about building relationships and just getting in front of these people and doing some coverage for them so they could spread the word about what they were doing. Mm -hmm. And that morphed into building an app, a very basic app, but an app nonetheless, and nonetheless, where people in Pittsburgh could connect with different events and happenings around the city for right. beer releases and big beer festivals, you name it. And I picked up several partners that wanted to get on board with promoting their events and happenings in that capacity. And the day I launched the app, I experienced my first troll. 
he jumped on Twitter and just started tearing me down and everything I was doing wrong. And I was missing this and that. And I had never experienced a troll before. So I wondered what the hell this guy's deal was. Mm. And so in the course of interacting with him, I decided to look at his profile and I discovered that he hosted a beer podcast. And it just so happened that me and my best friend had been kicking around some ideas about starting a podcast. We just couldn't land on anything that we wanted to do. Right. So the second I saw his host him, I will call it his, his, <laughs> the fact that he had a show. I looked at it and said, okay, you know what? Here's our idea. I called my friend and said, we're going to host a beer podcast and we're going to do it better than that guy. Right. And I could not have been further from correct. <laughs> we sucked. We didn't really have any experience and we didn't know what we didn't know, but we took that leap. We jumped in. I knew immediately that I really wanted to run with this and I had done radio in college. So this instantly brought me back to all the fun and all the great experiences I had doing that. Hmm. But we ran that show as far as we could. And then I started a second show on my own and then realized probably about 20 some episodes. And then I really wanted to sink my teeth into this and get better. So I decided to stop doing that show and just took some time off to study and listen to other podcasters, watch the news to see how those personalities were talking to the camera. I was listening to radio personalities to listen how they were telling a story through the microphone. And ultimately, I was just developing a skill set in regards to pace and tempo and how to enunciate and, and just do this better. Right. And it was about a year and a half, roughly, that I spent doing that. And I didn't plan that length of time. It's just how long it happened to be. And when I decided to jump back in, I was much more comfortable. I was much more confident. And that led to a better podcast product, which then led to a colleague of mine reaching out saying, hey, I'd like to start a podcast, but I want to know what I'm in for. Would you mind telling me what it takes? Right. And I said, sure. So we're on the phone. I started just rattling off all these things that you need to do to do a podcast. And in my head, I'm thinking I'm probably scaring him to death because I wasn't going to sugarcoat anything. I wanted him to understand what it truly takes to commit to this project and ultimately see it through. Yeah. And when we got done, there was this five second pause and he said, damn, that's a lot more than I was expecting. Hmm. And I said, yeah, and I think that's one of the main reasons why so many podcasts don't make it past a few episodes because there is no plan in place. And the work that's involved is not something that people are thinking about on the front end. So how about you and I partner together and I could help you on the front end. It was this light bulb moment that just happened on the spot. Yeah. And he said, I love that idea. Let's make it happen. So we got together, we figured out how we were going to do it. And I was off and running and instantly I knew there are probably other people that need this same type of assistance. Right. So that got me into the podcasting space working and that became more of a full-time thing during the pandemic. And then I started to shift my focus more on the consulting side and the guesting side, right? because there's so much that can be accomplished as a podcast guest if you understand the strategy and everything that's needed to truly stand out. Mm. And there is a system to, to doing it, but if you're trying to take shortcuts and just show up and be in sales mode, ultimately you can't accomplish much. So that's really where my focus has been. And that brings us up to speed to where I am today. Oh, what an amazing story. And I mean, I, I, I can definitely align to some of those things. Uh, we'll have to uh, have a chat about some craft beers at some, at some point, maybe, maybe crack a brew at some stage. But uh, I'm in. <laughs> no, I think that element of 
you know, so many things of finding that thing that you're passionate about that you want to talk. And I love what you did in terms of focusing on the craft and looking mm-hmm. outside of those areas, looking for parallels. Um, one of the things that um, that I did, for instance, I, I, I listened to a lot of comedy podcasts um, and, and comedy shows about the craft of comedy and how do you, you know, tell a, a, a good joke. And mm-hmm. there's so much more to it behind the scenes. Absolutely. And when you actually committed to the craft and you, you want to make this work for you, um, it's mm-hmm. really about taking those inspirations from elsewhere. It's about understanding what's really important to you and your audience, your customers, whatever that might be, and and, and it, enhancing your skill sets to just get yourself better and better, isn't it? Oh, 100%. I mean, I look at those skills as the fundamentals. And there, there's so many things that you're going to learn through having these con- these types of conversations and actually practicing the craft Mm. but when you develop those fundamental skills those are going to stay with you and they're going to serve as your Mm. foundation on which to build upon it's just like any other foundation if it's cracked the building's going to fall but if you take time to develop your voice and get comfortable behind the microphone you can utilize that not just with podcasting but with so many other elements which is why i'm such a huge proponent of podcasting for professionals Mm. whether you're a host whether you're a guest or you're doing both you're going to develop skills that will translate to other speaking opportunities in your life whether it's just one-on-one with loved ones or colleagues or team members all the way up to doing big presentations in front of large groups of people you're going to learn how to tell those stories in a powerful way and make those connections with your audience. So practicing it on the microphone on a podcast where it's a little bit more forgiving because in the recordings phase, which we're in right now, this is one-on-one. Yeah, This is nothing more than just a conversation, but you're going to learn so much about your voice and your story that you can then apply it to other areas and you can excel and take things to the next level in a number of different ways. Yeah. No, I love that. I was talking to somebody today about that element of um, knowing your story and knowing what those true elements of your story are, but also as a guest, knowing what the the uh, the audience, what the what the theme of that show is and what the audience are after, and being able mm-hmm. to to tweak your story. It's the same story, but it might be tweaked in a certain way or with a with a slight bent on it, so that it speaks to that audience in a much uh, more connected way. Yeah. And there are different elements of your story that you may not tell on one podcast, but you elaborate in full on another. Yeah. And it, it could be based on just the flow of the conversation, or it could be based on the type of content that that podcaster is looking to create because that podcaster is going to know their audience and they're going to know what their audience is tuned in for. Mm-hmm. So if you're showing up with value and you're there to contribute to that cause and help them build just absolutely kick-ass, compelling, engaging content that their audience will then tune into, get invested in, and then start sharing with others, which is the ultimate goal, Mm. then you're really doing your part. And that's why understanding your story and how you can best bring that to life is so important. And this platform is the best stage to tell that story, hands down such wide range of of reach and and different audiences and all sorts in there and um, so tell us a little bit about uh, what you do now then in terms of who you help and how you help them yeah i've been working with coaches consultants and leaders just helping them on the guesting side with understanding the 
the elements of putting together a good guest presentation. So when you reach out the podcast, you're mm. actually standing out and not getting lost in the shuffle. I feel that's one of the biggest hangups right. in the guesting strategy is that initial outreach mm. and finding the right shows to make that outreach towards because so many people get invested in this spray and pray approach where they're just throwing their information at any podcast within a hundred mile radius, hoping a couple will respond. But if those podcasts don't align with your objectives, mm -hmm. you really can't reach an audience that's going to serve you. And, and in return, you can't serve that audience because they're not tuning into that podcast to hear what you have to say. Yeah. You know, I've always said if you're in the marketing world and you go on a bass fishing podcast, those people aren't there for marketing advice. They're there to listen to whatever you would learn on a bass fishing podcast. Having never listened to one of those, I don't know what that might be. I'm <laughs> sure there's something about baiting a hook and wrangling that fish in, but that's a story for another day. But if you're not bringing value to that audience based on your expertise, then you can't make that connection. Another big element of podcasting and being in podcast guesting is the networking element. Yes. And if you're not connecting with a like-minded individual to create this content, then more than likely there's not going to be any chemistry and you're not going to have enough to really make engaging content that people want to listen to. So it'll fall flat. Mm. So helping people understand this is really what my mission is because there is a strategy from A to Z if you follow it. You can get so much. There's so much meat on this bone. Yeah. And if you truly sink your teeth in with a plan of attack that you know you're going after every morsel, yeah. you're going to get every morsel. And that's really what my programs have been built to help you understand. And it's not just about being a good podcast guest and, and having this ability to go on a show and rap for a while. We're talking about true, tangible thought leadership building that type of presence in your niche where people are looking for people to help them solve problems. This platform is going to allow you to create content that will connect people with you. So you can do just that for them. Hmm. When they come into the, into your ecosystem, they are looking for a person that can bring them transformation. And if they hear your voice on a podcast, that's a substantial amount of time that they can get invested in you and your story. So as long as you guide them to the next step after that podcast concludes so they can come into your ecosystem and get more value from you, you're taking that very important first step to getting them into your world so they can be, continue to get impacted. Yeah. And as time goes on, when it's right for them, they're going to reach out and they're going to say, I've been loving your message. I've been loving hearing your story. I've been listening to you on a bunch of podcasts. Help me. Right. Help me get to where I want to be. <laughs> You're taking all that time to establish trust. So the podcast guesting element, for all intents and purposes, it becomes more of a vehicle mm. than it does the be-all, end-all. That thought leadership and that personal brand development that you're putting in place, that's what it's all about. Mm. Love it. And there's, I mean, there's so much, <laughs> so many questions coming to mind there. Um, I'm trying to make a, a note of a couple of them. The first one... Um, if I go back, and I think you, you know, we touched on this a little bit, but who's podcast guesting for? Who who are the people who you engage with right now? And uh, are there any groups of people or any people that you think, geez, they should be out there. They should be really um, getting themselves serious about being a podcast guest, and they're just not, and they're missing out. Well, I would say 
the, I mean, the world that I look at the most are the coaches and consultants. If you're not in the podcasting space and that's what you do, you're really missing a huge opportunity mm. because that is what your business is built around. It's, it's built around helping people discover that transformation that they're seeking. So whatever niche or industry you exist in, you've got people that are looking for thought leaders and resources that can help them move to the next level. They're at point A. They don't want to be at point any point A anymore. They want to get to point B mm. and they're looking for people to get them there. And that's typically what coaching and consulting is all about. And podcasts give you that opportunity to bring people much closer to you. And it eliminates a lot of that early cold call atmosphere to where you've got to do all the feeling out and do I trust this person? They're, they're thinking the same. Do I trust this person? And you're just going back and forth. But as they hear your voice and hear your story, it allows them to warm up to some degree. So now they know going into that first call, we have an opportunity to really make some magic here. I just want to get some of the particulars or maybe by that point they're already, they're in. Yeah. So if you're not taking advantage of that and using this platform to get your story out there and make those powerful connections, you're missing the boat. Hmm. I would say the same thing for authors. If you've written a book, and you haven't gone on a podcasting tour to hit these shows that are relevant to your subject matter, you're costing yourself sales because more than likely there are going to be people listening to that podcast who are going to love the impact of your message and they're going to want to hear more. How do they do that? They pick up your book. <laughs> and I'll throw this one in there too because this one often gets overlooked and I think it's a big mistake if podcasters themselves are not thinking about guesting on other shows. Right. One of the big elements that podcasters are after is growth. Mm. How do you get people to listen to your show? You go on other podcasts and you talk about your show <laughs> and you invite that audience to come onto your show as well. So you're making that collaborative effort to help somebody else create content. Mm. You can welcome them onto your show as well, yeah. but you have an audience of podcast listeners. I guarantee you 100% of that audience that hears you on a podcast is other podcast listeners. There's no <laughs> way around that. Yeah. So if they like your message and they want to learn more, it's very easy for them because they hear you on a podcast to make that jump over to, let's say they use Apple podcasts and they're listening on that app. They can quickly look you up and hit that subscribe button Yeah. versus trying to drag somebody over from social media, mm -hmm. because that's typically if you think about the habits of a social media user, and we're both probably in the same boat, in that moment, we're just scrolling through content mindlessly. Right. And maybe a clip from a podcast is going to jump out and, and resonate to say, ooh, okay, I'm going to listen to that later. But it's so hard to make somebody go, okay, I'm going to stop what I'm doing right now, close this app, open up a new app, and go instantly into podcast listening mode. Hmm. But if you've got them on a podcast, that's where they hear you. It's a great way to just make them jump over. And now the next podcast they listen to could be yours. Oh, and there's so much there about the the connection that you've got to have, particularly in that, as you say, the coach in the consulting world. Um, mm -hmm. If you are particularly the smaller end of the scale, you know, the big players have, have got their whole sales pitches and they've got partners going out and driving business. But if you're at the, the smaller end of that, then it's so much about the people element and the, the trust in what you do. And mm -hmm. you've got so many opportunities to have a conversation that elevate a pitch but quite often they feel very salesy and very you know, polished in what they what they're doing and i think there's a whole bit for me with the podcasting element which is you actually see people 
get more comfortable in the moment because they're having a chat, they're having a natural conversation. You can see more about what it is to actually interact with that person. And I think that just brings a whole richness to the uh, relationship, even though you haven't necessarily met at that stage, but it, it sort of connects no, you. Yeah. No, I couldn't agree with you more. And that's something that I think all podcast guests and hosts as well need to understand about this creation or this content creations piece of this whole process. This is just a one-on-one -on -one conversation. Yeah. You don't have to be in performance mode. You're not showing up to be in front of thousands and thousands of people in the moment, in the act of creating this content, you just get to rap about something that you're passionate about for half an hour, 45 minutes, however long it ends up being. That yeah. is pretty damn cool yeah. and a phenomenal way to build your brand. And in doing that, not only are you creating content that could impact the audience once they hear it, but you're starting to establish a connection with that podcaster mm. and the podcaster with that host. And in my opinion, the magic happens in the green room. Right. The green room is that conversation that takes place before you turn the microphones on to record and when you turn them off once you're done. Yeah, That's where you plot world domination together. <laughs> you start having those conversations to where you can truly open up a world of opportunities, whether it's do you have an opportunity that maybe you'd like to monetize your podcast and I have an affiliate offer. Maybe you work with some people that need this type of assistance for what you sell. So many good things can come from that. But if you're not rooted in value from the start and you just show up with this transactional mindset of making a sale, more than likely the podcaster is just going to be like, forget you, man. I'm not, I may never air this <laughs> because my audience doesn't need to hear it. And if you're bringing a podcast guest on strictly to get them onto your into a sales funnel, that is brutal. Right. There are some podcasters that do that. Now, I have nothing against trying to align who you're talking to with them potentially being a client. But if it, if you have a podcast strictly as a part of your sales funnel, and that's the only reason you're bringing somebody on, mm. you're missing a key piece of relationship building. And ultimately it's going to be probably a lot more difficult to get people on your side. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, one of the most rewarding parts of my podcast journey so far has been connecting both external people to some of my guests. So that mm -hmm. someone's actually reached out and said, I love what, what I heard there. Can you connect? Um, yeah. but, but also connecting some of my guests together and going, uh, actually, you really need to be speaking to this person because you know, they're so aligned in terms of what you're doing. And those sort of connections, and re they're so rewarding. Mm -hmm. But there's also an element that comes to mind that I know um, uh, has come through in a lot of my conversations as well, which is, there's a longevity to this and there's a there isn't a, an instant transactional element of I'll create a podcast therefore that will create sales or that will get results right. in some ways there's an element of trust you've got to be passionate about what you're doing you've got to trust that this as part of your overall process is one way of reaching out to people adding value and then there are other ways you know other things later on where people may wish to further engage but it's mm -hmm. not it's not simple listen to my podcast buy my product piece is it not at all. I mean, there, there, that element could be baked into what you're building and you can promote a course or promote a book or whatever you have as yours on your podcast. There's nothing wrong with that. But at the same time, you've got to think about your listener mm. and they're not tuning in just to be pitched to for half an hour. They're tuning in because there's value to be gained. And if they tune into one episode and it is nothing more than a sales pitch, more than likely they're not tuning in anymore. Right. They're going to go find another podcast because 
if, if they are searching for a solution to a problem or for a podcast that's going to give them some perspectives on a subject they care about and they click play and they're just being sold to the whole time, mm. ew, they're going to say, oh, okay, well, that's not for me. And they're going to delete that one and move on to the next. So you don't want to be the one that's deleted. Mm. You want to be the podcast to where they tune in and get exactly what they showed up for. And when they do, that's when they get invested because they start believing in you and they start working this content into their life. So every Thursday morning when your podcast goes live, your show is in their ear while they go to work, while they're at the gym, while they're on a morning walk, whatever they're doing. That's how they get invested in what you're doing and they build trust in you. Mm. Then over time, as the trust continues to grow, when they're ready to make a buying decision, you're front of mind. Because you've consistently brought them value each and every week through your podcast. That's enormous. And that's bigger and can lead to much more than just a one-time sale. Because now you have a brand advocate out there that's not only willing to invest in you because they trust you, they're going to start telling others, listen to Paul's podcast, check out Paul's book, check out Paul's course, because I've gotten so much from being in his ecosystem, from being in his orbit. That's huge. That's what you're looking for. That's long-term stability. So thinking more long-term value in how you can provide just undeniable impact versus one-time transactional sales mindset, the former is going to win every (laughs) single time. Brilliant. Um the word that I've uh, I've written down, I've circled a number of times here. This simplification bit, because I'm a I'm a simple yeah. man of simple pleasures myself. Um, <laughs> if we could talk about that in terms of how do you see people overcomplicating this, and what are maybe a couple of things, top tips that you could give people about the approach to simplifying life as a podcast guest. As I mentioned before, I think it starts with the outreach. I think that many people are just. They're, they're championing quantity over quality and thinking the more podcasts they get their voice on, the better it's going to be. But in reality, it's more about quality over quantity and finding shows that truly align with your objectives. So if you're spending tons of time just reaching out to any single podcast in the world that exists, that's compli- that, That's adding a whole layer of overcomplication that does not need to exist. Yeah. Instead, find shows that really resonate and even they they bring value into your world. So even your outreach is genuine. Mm. It's all about being valuable. It's all about being human. And if you come at it from that mindset, from that mentality, you set yourself up for so much more. So we could go down the list of where it's getting overcomplicated right from the start with the pitch. Then it comes into nobody, you know, not not preparing. That's a good way to complicate things because if you're not prepared, you don't have your story in check. You're not ready to go on that podcast because you haven't truly listened to what they have. They may throw some questions at you that you just weren't ready for, and they and you could have been had you prepared, had you listened, had you taken the advice that they gave you on the front end to heart. So, keeping these very simple strategies in place are going to allow you to not overcomplicate things and get the most from your efforts. So I've really, I've narrowed it down to three key areas. One is the story, establishing a strong story for why you're passionate about what you do 
and how you can help somebody get from where they are to where they want to be. It's that transformation. Yeah. How can your story resonate with that person so they look at you as a source of value that they can then turn to you to get to that transformation they seek? So that story part is enormous. And then in between, there is the element of being a valuable resource from start to finish. And that starts with having valuable outreach that's genuine, that stands out right through to when that podcast goes live and everything that happens in between in regards to establishing relationships and treating this as a networking platform. It's not just, well, Paul, I'll see you later. Thanks for having me. And then you have no contact after that. Yeah. You're missing a huge opportunity to potentially build a relationship with somebody that could help you get to the next level. You don't know. They may be connected to the one person who could be the big breakthrough. But if you're in transactional mindset mode, you're not going to get to tap into that because more than likely you've already botched the interview. <laughs> and so there, this person's already checked out on you. But you also have to take steps to further that relationship. And it's not hard. I'm not saying that you drop everything in your life to be this person's new best friend, but there are very simple steps that you can take to keep the conversation going. One of the big gripes that I hear podcasters have is when the new, when their new episodes go live, they share this content and let their guests know that it's live, but then there's radio silence. So, okay, why did that happen? And I always, and there, and then podcasters are mad and I always slip it on its head and say, when's the last time you talked to that person? Well, it's been probably since we recorded. Exactly. Right. They've moved on. Mm. They have other things in their life other than your podcast. So you have to take strides to stay in their orbit to some degree, whether it's connecting on social media or I, I like to offer anybody that I collaborate with an opportunity to talk off mic just to continue the conversation without the task of creating a podcast. Because again, plotting world domination, you never know what comes <laughs> next, but you have to initiate that type of conversation in order to find out. Yeah. So all of that value in between, that's really step two. And then step three is actually doing something with that content once it goes live. Right. And it's not just for the benefit of saying thank you to that podcaster for allowing them to or for allowing you to grace their stage and speak to their audience. I think that should be boilerplate. Yeah. But this content is now social proof that you truly are a thought leader in your space. And the people that are already in your ecosystem can get further proof that they put their trust in the right resource. Yeah. So if you're not taking it to the next level and sharing your podcast content, once it goes live, another big miss. So simplifying it comes down to, knowing your story and having a great compelling way to tell it, bringing value at every single juncture in the process, and then utilizing that content after it goes live. And I guarantee you that's, what's going to make a podcaster be very thankful that they brought you on. And that could lead to future opportunities where they bring you back for another guest appearance, or they start telling all of their podcaster friends, get Paul, get Jason. These guys are doing it right. Yeah. So it's all about following this process from A to Z. And once you get it down, it's pretty easy to do. <laughs> and it's valuable and it produces results, which is what it's all about. Oh, oh some wonderful stuff. And I, I'm definitely going to be following up on some of those conversations and uh, and seeing where this goes from here. Because I've just got a number of things floating my, around in my head in terms of potential collaborations, people who want to connect you with, and all sorts of wonderful stuff that can happen from here. But uh, yeah. Um, 
How about we ask a slightly different question then? How do you get help with your performance? Who do you go to to sharpen your saw and be at the top of your game? I don't think I could pinpoint anybody in particular. I'm a very big Googler. I'm a very big YouTuber. Right. I was actually just having a conversation with someone this morning, and we were talking about some new initiatives and methods and some things that I, I, it was for something else that I'm working on. And there were a couple of things that I wasn't clear on. And he asked me if I knew I said, well, being fully transparent, no, but what I love about the world we live in is it is one click away. Yeah. <laughs> so I am constantly looking for great resources on Google, on YouTube, mainly I'm a, I'm a video guy. And of course, podcasts, yeah. what podcasts can help me as well. So if I had to pinpoint a couple of those, I have a friend who has a great show called As It Relates to Podcasting. I'm actually the featured guest for March as we sit and record, but she's had some great resources. Her name is Simona Costantini. Great show. I highly recommend anybody listen to that, especially if you're in the podcasting space and looking for some advice. But she's got a lot of great stuff there. And going on a bigger scale, Entrepreneurs on Fire is a show that I've listened to a lot because he John Lee Dumas brings on guests from a number of different industries, but he has so much content out there that no matter what I feel like I might be struggling through, I can probably find a podcast where he's had some type of expert speak on that subject yeah. where I can learn. So I'll, I will call and shout out those two, but ultimately what I'm looking for is somebody that has a good track record. And when I find their information, it's easy to engage with. It's fun. They're not boring me to death. That's typically what stands out to me. And that's what helps me learn and get to the next level. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I love the, there's a, a real sense of self-learning um, that's coming from you, both in terms of what you're talking about there, but also that background of learning from the news readers and the radio presenters. It's just, if you can recognize that the content content is all out there, mm -hmm. if you, if you, the trick is to understand what's the bit I need to focus on in order to be at the top of my game. And that might be a little bit left field from where you think it is. It's not necessarily the core skill. It's the, it's the stuff that goes around it that gives you the baseline to, to be the best possible version of yourself that you can be, isn't it? No doubt about it. Yeah. That, that again, like I said, it's a beautiful world that we live in. I mean, we're coming into the, what are we web 3.0 chat GPT, all the AI that's taking over. And that can yeah. be a little daunting, a little scary, but it's amazing where we've gotten to. And it's amazing what technology has brought our way. It's stupid to try to resist it. Yeah. You have to accept it and embrace it and, and use it is to whatever capacity it best serves you. And I I've been a proponent of the chat GPT thing as a tool that can help spark creativity, but it shouldn't be something that you lean into 100% because you don't want to stifle your own creativity. Hmm. That said, think about where we were with Google yeah. and you could just type in a couple of keywords and you've got all of this information. I'm sure there was somebody that saw that and was like, well, I'll just go to the library and I'll read it in the magazines and the dictionaries and stuff like that or the encyclopedias like <laughs> because they didn't want to like embrace that there's this new search engine thing yeah. that just puts, in, <laughs> puts information in front of you with the click of a button. So Everybody's going to have their detractors. I think that's how, a good way to tell my age because now I had that first reaction with ChatGPT. <laughs> like, oh, what? So this could write all my papers for me? That's BS, blah, blah, blah. But like I said, as you play with it, you really start to see how freaking awesome it really is. But yeah. nevertheless, there's so much information at our disposal. 
And I have a daughter in seventh grade as we sit and speak today. Right. And, you know, I've had, I, it's not been a direct conversation, but I also know in my mind, I don't know if college would be absolutely necessary for her. Right. If, if It's her decision when we get to that point. But depending on what she wants to do, you can educate yourself with all of this information. There's so many good resources out there. And I will, I'll tell one quick funny story before we move on to the next piece here. <laughs> I when I was doing my graduate studies, my final thesis paper was on employee engagement, and I turned it in, and I got an A minus. And I was, I mean, A minus. You can't split hairs, right? Well, guess what? I tried because I was talking (laughs) to the professor because he had nothing but positive notes, and then it got to the end on my work cited page, which I had a mixture of books, you know. Books, resources in the library, but also a lot of internet sites where I found information. He made a note that I used too many websites. Right. This was back in the early 2000s when this was still not new, but kind of new. Yeah. I said, what are you talking about? It's it's still relevant information. Yeah. Yeah, but, you know, it would have been much more preferred. I said, what, if I would have sat in the library yeah. for a couple extra hours and found a couple <laughs> extra books? What's the difference? Yeah. And he's like, well, you know, I'm going to keep your grade the same. I was like, well, I'm not mad. I'm just a little confused that you haven't realized what century we're in, but let's move on. So <laughs> it was just one of those things that tells you. I mean, it, it took a minute for people to embrace. And I'm sure any technological breakthroughs that we have, it's going to take a minute. But yeah. once we get there, yeah, it's got to be, be ready for it. It's going to be a different world in the uh, with the kids growing up. But, uh, you know, it, yeah. in some ways it's just going to be all the same about the passion for learning, the ability to find what's what's really, truly valuable to you at that time. I think that's going to be the, the critical piece. I agree. Couldn't um, agree more. So maybe um, we go on to a couple of other questions in terms of if you could help any individual or team or organization or group of people with the skill set that you've got, who would you want that to be? I'm going to I'm going to do this for purely selfish reasons because I think it would allow me to be around some people that I'd love to be around. I love golf. And I've been golfing since I was 7. I mean, I'm I'm in no way shape or form going to be cut out for the PGA Tour or the Live Tour or anything with a professional tag on it, but I love to play recreationally. I've always been a fan of the challenge and and how it, it's you. You yeah. against the course. Yeah. You can't blame a teammate. You can't point a finger. Many people will blame their equipment, but I've gotten to a point in my life. I'm like, it wasn't the club. It was you jackass. Just fix it on the next swing. But I'd love to work with pro golfers and and help them understand how their stories could come to life by doing more podcast interviews or even creating podcasts. And I know there's some golfers that have entered into that realm. Netflix just released the full swing documentary where you're seeing more of an inside look at the life of these professional golfers, but I want more. So if I had an opportunity to where I could connect with them and help them bring that story to life about just the the, the sheer work ethic that goes in to yeah. being a professional golfer and helping people understand that this isn't just something where you show up at the course and play 18 holes like we might do on a Sunday afternoon with our buddies. Like this is a way of life. And to be able to partner with them to help them tell that story, I think I could bring them a lot of value and, and they could help me with the damn slice off the tee. <laughs> so there'd be a good exchange of value there, That's but I'd be mean. all on board for something like that. <laughs> Brilliant stuff. No, I think um, golf in, in a lot of sports, but golf in particular is one where it, 
almost seems the better you get, the more frustrating it can be. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it, it, there's just nowhere to hide. Even if you've had an absolutely blinding shot, you've had a blinding um, uh, hole or a, a blinding back, you know, front nine or whatever it is, it makes no zero difference to what the next shot's going to be. And you've got to keep that focus up and keep yep. that, uh, keep that um, process going. That gets you to where you are, and uh, and that's a it's a tough one to get yourself in that zone and then keep yourself there, isn't it? So <laughs> it can be. I, I tried, you know, as I've gotten older, I've tried to put more emphasis on the mental part of the game because I finally it finally dawned on me that that part of it is much more important than the physical part. Yeah, Tiger Woods has a rule that it's I think he calls it the ten yard rule or the eight yard rule. It's one or the other. You can't be angry about your shot for more than 10 yards. So after you walk away from where you hit that ball, you've got 10 yards to be pissed off if it was bad. Right. But now you've got to start thinking about how you're going to recover and make right. the next shot. Because right. if you start dragging that bad shot into the next one, it's just going to snowball into a very ugly scorecard at the end of the day. Yeah. So you have to put the bad shots and the bad holes behind you and just move on to what you can do to bounce back. Oh. And that again that requires a lot of mental discipline yeah. whether you're doing it for fun or you're doing it professionally there's a podcast uh focus if, if, if ever i did hear one you know the the mental side of, of golfing oh man yeah you're not kidding there'd yeah. be and like i said there you go we'll, we'll get with the real golfers and we can ha actually i'll have good guests to bring that podcast to life <laughs> inspire my next project <laughs> <laughs> and flipping that on its head a little bit, if you were able to sit down um, with any individual or even a team or an organization, but in order specifically for you to get better, uh, to up your performance, who would you want that to be? Just to have a coffee, have a drink, have a meal and, and just really yeah. absorb their awesomeness. I will tell and this is tough. I, I knew this question was coming, so I, I put some thought into this and I wasn't sure which way to go with it, but I'm going to go with the source, but I'm going to cheat a little. And the, the, the cheating in doing this is also impossible, and you'll understand why in a second. I recently finished listening to the book called Relentless by Tim Grover. Right. And Tim Grover and Cheryl Wink is his co-author. But Tim Grover is the trainer of, he was a trainer of Michael Jordan, Kobe right. Bryant, Dwayne Wade, and hundreds of other athletes. And I'm sure at many different levels, that book was just absolutely phenomenal and some people of course i mean and i get it it's subjective some people may listen to it and just all oh, this guy's full of crap i'm not buying into this but for me it just it just hit me like the it just hit me the right way this guy had such an impactful message and if i had an opportunity to sit and talk with him i know i i mean i would just be a sponge trying to absorb the practices that he was bringing to these athletes that he works with and the reason i'm cheating and saying i was cheating is i would like to add kobe bryant to that conversation because he was my favorite basketball player i've, I've been a lakers fan my whole life so yeah. of course when he landed there it was great and we had five championships with him on the team and it was just so fun to watch that team do what it did and I never, I mean, I knew Kobe was a special player, but I didn't learn until later on in his career. And then ultimately when he passed away, when I was hearing all these stories, how much of a mental giant that man was yeah. his, the, the Mamba mentality, right? Mm -hmm. What he brought to the court, what he brought to his teammates and, and his 
just desire to be at the very top of his sport, it's second to none. So to get an opportunity to sit and talk with him, not only would allow me to connect with one of my athlete heroes, but I probably would go more towards the men- mental side and, and and just establishing that winning mindset. As Tim Grover calls it, it's a cleaner mindset. He calls people coolers, closers, and cleaners. Yeah. And cleaners are the ones that seek no recognition. They're there to do a job. They're there to do it right. They're going to bring everybody else up to that level so everybody looks good. And then when the job's done, they say, what's next? That's a very strong mentality. And I've been working ever since. I'm already listening to that book for the second time through. Because yeah. I just, I'm like, I might just listen to this every day until <laughs> until the, somehow it gets deleted from my phone because it's worn out. Yeah. But for sure, those two would be two people I would love to sit with and just let the let the good times roll and let the good information flow. Brilliant. I mean, there's so many, so many of those just amazing people who you look at from the outside, there's often this element of, Oh, it's just natural talent. Uh, you know, it's just, and there is an element of natural talent in, involved there. But even when mm-hmm. you, when you talk about the, you know, the Tim Grover, you know, there will have been, no, I'd, I'd have, there's many people who know him outside of that world in in some ways. So it would be calling like that a natural talent, but the work ethic and the ability to focus on what actually makes a difference, um, mm-hmm. and how do you make uh, the environment work such that you can chip away and get better at that. Um, yeah, you know, some amazing stuff. I, I'm gonna have to look him up and maybe have a listen to that book myself and get inspired. So <laughs> I highly recommend yeah. it. And that, and then I found out there's a sequel <laughs> called Winning that he wrote after Kobe passed away. Right. And I haven't gotten into that one yet, but that one's next. Right. I'm gonna get into that one next. So <laughs> I'll let you know. Um, and finally, then, uh, Jason, how do people find out more? Where do people go to connect with you? And, uh, and, and where should people um, go in order to find out more about what you do and, and how you do it? Best way to connect with me is just land on my website, jasoncircone.com. And when you land there, you're going to discover the consulting programs that I have in place. You can check out my podcast. You can connect to me on your favorite social media network, wherever you like to hang out. Come find me. And ultimately, if you're truly looking to take the next step with your podcasting game and, and take things to the next level, set up a discovery session. It's free. It's only going to cost you 30 minutes of your time but it's going to allow us to exchange some ideas. I can hear where you're at in the process, whether you're looking to be a host, a guest, or both, and and, and do both with the best of your abilities. I'd love to hear where you're at. And partnering up might be the right move for you, so you can go down the path with me. If it's not, that's okay. I'm happy to spend that 30 minutes with you just to see how things are going to unfold for you. So jasoncircone.com is where the party begins. And we'll take it from there. Well, we'll make sure all those links are there and people can join the party. So, <laughs> Jason, That's... an absolute pleasure talking to you today and uh, and really looking forward to seeing where this goes uh, from here. And um, thanks for being a great guest. And uh, I, I wish you all the best of luck with the great work that you're doing. And you've truly inspired me in my journey, both as a podcaster and host, as well as the guesting side of it as well. So we'll be following up for this for definite. So thanks so much for being on today's show, Jason Saccone. I appreciate all those kind words, Paul. And thank you very much for the opportunity to join you. It's been a lot of fun. Cheers now. Cheers.
Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you liked what you heard, then please give the podcast a rate, review and share. I'm Paul Teasdale, and from sausage making to banking, oil and gas to Formula One, I help people perform. If you'd like to find out more and have a conversation, contact me via helpingpeopleperform.com.